Hey, this is Jerry Best, and you're listening to Focus on Metal. Hey, Metalheads. Welcome to the sixth installment of our massive Strange Highways project. Hey, Richie, how we doing? I'm good. We had to think a second how many we were in here. I, I, <laughs> when you said sixth, I wasn't believing you. Yeah, I, had to, I was had the fingers out in front of me going, oh, Vinny and Jeff and my and Sky, six. Yeah. Yep. And of course, now the sixth. And we thought we were going to stop at seven, but now we have an eighth. We have eight. So um, uh, yeah, we've rounded it out evenly. So that's that's pretty cool. A lot of hard work on Richie's part. So this week, we you know we've gone through the producer, we've gone through all the guys in the band that are alive, and now we are on to the support acts, the yeah. guys who were on tour with them. Yeah, um, checked out who who toured the European leg of, of Strange Highways, and it was uh, Freak of Nature, which was Mike Tram's band mm. after a White Line split up. And um, so this one is Jerry Best on it. So we did this interview in uh, in July last year. Yeah. And I think Jerry was probably the second or the third person I hit up. And um, he said he'd love to come on. And not, all, he, not only would he love to come on, but he also informed me in his email that he played with Dio uh, before Angry Machines, mm. which I didn't know. So we got some information out of Jerry about his time playing with Ronnie and playing as a support act mm. to Ronnie band on that tour yeah and um of course i was I, I got a bit selfish because i wanted to speak to jerry a bit about the band line with doug aldridge and cal swan yeah uh which uh the dangerous attraction album was a big album for me in the mm -hmm. 80s yeah i thought it was great um very hard to get now jerry explains of course yeah. why that is and the album after that uh another one of these bands line they were you know predicted to be huge never happened so then jerry went to play with mike tramp in freak and nature and um he has some very good stories about his time with, with ronnie and yeah. on that tour in particular um you get to chat to him about the you know the bases he has he's yeah. a bit of a collector so oh, scott got his fix is. yeah and uh yeah this was a re this is another really good interview again this is not this is where it starts to branch off. It's it's not about the Strange Highways album as such or anything like that. So you're going to hear stories about Jerry's time playing with Freak of Nature and and the, the other bands he was in and and for the next one then we have um, you know Frank Hart and Jonathan Marshall from Atomic Opera yeah who supported Dio on on the US leg of the right. tour. But what's interesting on on these is that in trying to round out kind of the whole Strange Highways experience, yeah. I think he had a great idea of bringing these guys that toured with the band. And it's interesting because, you know, here's guys who are kind of outside of the band and they're not, you know, personally, intricately involved with that music, but they're getting to tour with this band, see the crowd react to it. Mm -hmm. And by you bringing in both the European leg guys and the, and the American leg guys, also the difference in venues and yeah. crowd reaction mm -hmm. and all of that so that, it's also kind of revisiting back to 
how people approach this music back then and how those toys were, all of that. And also getting some good Ronnie stories out of everybody as well. Yeah, but the, and the other thing that comes across is um, these guys aren't just in awe of Ronnie. Hmm. They're in awe of the band Ronnie had, be yes. it Jeff, Finney and, and Scott. They were yeah. like, wow, this, and Tracy. Like, this band were just incredible. And that's part of the other thing, too, that's interesting is that pretty much everybody had the same thing that you know, part of the reason you started this whole project was people's reaction to this album when it came out, which was very negative, especially towards Tracy. Yeah. And yet these guys were all like, we, they thought it was fantastic. The songs were fantastic. All, you know, and it, it's obvious it isn't a thing that they're just thinking now. It's what they thought then. Yeah. And so it's, I think it's also a, a nice perspective there that there definitely were people that were out there at the time, especially musicians that really did get this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you just hear the guys saying, they're standing next to the stage hearing Ronnie sing and like Vinny's there and Jeff is there and they're like, this is just incredible stuff. I'm actually getting the chance to watch these guys yeah. nail it night after night after night. Yeah. Just incredible. Yep. Yeah, definitely. And and of course, I don't know if we touched on it or not, but um, you know, there is that brand new DVD that's coming out, DVD, yeah, Blu-ray, and the whole thing mm-hmm. um, of that final show in in uh, Hammersmith. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, if you go up to myplay.com, there is. If you go to the Do store, you can do the pre-order there, and there's also a nice video of one of the songs, and it really gives you a good idea of how that band operated playing one of the older Do songs. And it just, I mean, it sounds fantastic. Yeah. It really does. Mm-hmm. Should we mention who the the, the oh, last, no, the no, last no. we're going to wait. Oh, okay. Yeah, we'll All wait. Right. Because um, when we talked to him, he didn't realize that the, yeah. the thing had been even, that tour had been even shot. Right. So he was curious to see whether, you know, his band made him, he might have been shot that night. Yeah. But. Yeah. So uh, anyways, I hope you guys enjoy this one. It's our sixth in the series. We've got two more to go, unless, of course... I don't know. No. I don't know who else Rich is going to come up with. I'm going to get an email or a text to go, no. Wendy Dio wants to come no. on and talk about I, 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 No, I said after the, the, the <laughs> eighth one, this, the, the extra one, I said, right, we're done. I'm done. <laughs> so, And I really am. I'm done. <laughs> so we got two more to go after this. And then, um, then we have no excuse to get back on to um, our running through the Saxon catalog. Oh, God, yeah. Did you forget about that? No. All I, right. So with that... When we uh, just dig in and uh, listen to what Jerry Best has to say about um, all the stuff he remembers about Ronnie and about Lion and everything else. Enjoy. said in the email back to me that you had some history with Dio that you used to rehearse next to them in the in the mid 80s can you tell me exactly yeah, what, when that was what's that do you know what when exactly was that was it with, with Vivian Campbell yeah that was uh, that would have been 
uh, for for Dio's lineup, it would have had to have been, I believe, Craig uh, playing guitar. Okay. And Jimmy's still in there. Craig mm-hmm. Goldie, Jimmy Bain, and uh, might have been Claude Schnell, because I actually, actually the way I kind of know those guys is uh, I used to play in a band called Lion mm-hmm. that uh, had a drummer named Mark Edwards in it, and he had uh, he cut a solo record. This had to be. 1983, maybe 84, uh, with, uh, I believe it was Metal Blade. It was either Mike Barney or it was Metal Blade Records. It was a uh, solo record called Code of Honor. And uh, it was, uh, it came out in Japan mainly and I think a few other territories, maybe not so much the U.S. And if so, it was a limited run. But regardless, that's how I met Claude Schnell because he played on that record. Mm -hmm. And that actually morphed into when I was playing in line, there was a few studios out in LA at the time. This was a little bit later, maybe I'd say 86 or so. And, uh, there was a studio called audible studios right over by the uh, Burbank airport. And, uh, Ronnie had the bigger room, uh, next door to that. And Lion was, uh, we were probably working up our first tour of like America and like Japan Mm-hmm. And uh, they were they were right next to us, and um, you know they Ronnie would come over, and they used to like take the piss out of us for you know the the hairspray and whatever. I mean, you know <laughs> Doug Aldridge also played in that band, yeah, and uh, and Cal of course from uh, Titan, you know, which you know great great things. But regardless, uh, that's how we got to know him, and. Um, that studio, they were actually rehearsing. I want to say, would it be maybe Sacred Heart? I, I can't follow the year of that. It would have been around '86. So if Craig was in the band, it's probably Dream Evil. Yeah, Dream. There you yeah. go. So that was probably for that mm-hmm. that run, and that's where I first initially met. And uh, Cal also uh, had a uh, a girl he was going out with. I think he got his green card from her. That also knew Wendy real well, uh, Wendy Dio, and her mm-hmm. name was uh, Vicky Seeger. Actually, she had a she had a couple bands. She was a singer or whatever. But regardless, uh, that's also you know with Wendy, you know, I knew she knew her from like the Rainbow and whatever. I mean, she used to be uh, Richie Blackmore's girlfriend. Okay. Back in the day, and I think that's also how Ronnie you know, got intro maybe. But anyway. When Richie said he was gonna have you on and stuff, I was like, Oh, that's that's cool. I can I remembered the uh you know, the old ads back in the guitar magazines about, you know, Jerry Best plays the best and all that and, and uh Oh that's right. Yeah. So I was like, Wow, that's you know and I went up on the website, which you got a great site and and then I was oh, like, thanks. I, I almost shit myself when I looked and there's that ad and I was like, Holy crap I was like, I can't <laughs> believe he's got that that ad up there. But um you know it was cool because you know, even me being around the industry for so long, like I forget how much you were involved in so many different bands and you know, all the different it's almost kinda like this like you could almost play like six degrees of Jerry Bass between all the stuff that, that you've kind of been in, either involved in or somehow related or in or stuff. And it seems like you've just had this amazing career between starting off on the East Coast and moving on to the West Coast. It's, it seems just mm-hmm. amazing when you read through the stuff that you've done. Well, hey, you know, thanks. You're quite kind. Do you take checks? Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> MasterCard, um, Visa, American Express, anything. Yeah. <laughs> 
No, that's, I mean, that's great. You know, I'm just an old retread, you know, uh, making the rounds. And, uh, when you're, when you're a lifer, you know, music wise, and, um, you know, you're pretty much going to be doing that. Even if you're in the rocking chair, you know, on the mm. porch later on, it, it just, uh, it's brought me, you know, I'm very humbled, uh, by some of the things you say there as well as it's brought me, you know, a great, uh, you know, career and, uh, just, you know, met a lot of people, been able to, uh, have the, you know, ability and the, the, uh, you know, just great feeling of being known that your phone still rings, you know, and, and, um, you know, I'm very fortunate Yeah. and I'm grateful, you know, for all of it. And, uh, it's, uh, it's turned out pretty decent. And I mean, you know, there's always ups and downs and what have you, but, uh, some of the talent that I've got to play with, you know, I would never, you know, replace it, you know, yeah. for anything. Yeah, 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 definitely. And of course, it's gotten you a, a sweet collection of gear too. As I, I looked at your gear page, and I was like, all right, my kids bitch at the amount of guitars and basses that I have, but if they looked at all of yours, and, and I mean, <laughs> you've got some sweet gear there, Jerry. I got to tell you, some of those basses you have are just men. Yeah. Well, thanks once again. I mean. Uh, luckily enough, I've been able to collect that stuff in all parts of the world. And, uh, you know, timing is everything, not just in music, you know what I mean? And, you know, sometimes you're, you're right there when, when, you know, this, this incredible pieces like in a pawn shop and like, mm -hmm. you know, Amarillo, you know, and, uh, it, it just, you know, I've been fortunate that way too. And, you know, hey, that's that's probably ninety percent of my playing is those those uh, guitars play themselves. You know. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. So. Yeah, they kind of have that mojo right when you buy them, and and I'm sure you've had ones too where you look back. Because I know I've had ones where I've like I'll see somebody playing like a certain guitar, and I'll be like, and some of them at this point, my kids even know. Oh, he's got to mention that guitar. Like ones <laughs> that I've been in a store. And especially like, you know, in the 80s when Super Strats, everyone wanted Super Strats and no one could have give a rat's ass about like a Les Paul or something like that. And oh, I can yeah, remember, absolutely. I remember going into a store and there was a vintage Dan Armstrong Plexi that was in there with case, oh, wow. two pickups, you know, the, with because, you know, you could swap the slider them ones, right? You got it. Yeah. Just. Oh, yeah. And they wanted 200 bucks for it. Now, you know now how much those things go for. Oh, and, yeah. And yeah. I walked out of there. I hadn't and I didn't buy it. And like a week later, I went back and it was gone. And to this day, every time I yeah. see Joe Perry play uh, Draw the Line and he does his. With a slide. Yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, it, you know, it takes you to a certain place in time. Right now, it's kind of funny because you see all that stuff I have. I'm looking for a uh, uh, a Buck Owens uh, Harmony, mm. which is the red, white, and blue uh, guitar. You've seen him play it. You know, of course, it's his namesake, but actually you saw uh, uh, Pat Smear from the Germs play mm -hmm. yep. it with, with uh, uh, Kurt yep. uh, on that uh, Nirvana thing. He mm -hmm. had it there. And, uh, yeah, I'm actually looking for one of those, uh, in, in, in case, uh, you can <laughs> if, spread the word. <laughs> if I see, yeah, if I see one, definitely. Cause you know, in harmonies too, those are those ones that that's like one of those ones is slowly creeping up now, like in the market. Cause mm -hmm. there was a girl I know that she was left one from, uh, a relative and, and mm -hmm. she was like, Oh, well, you know, you let me know, you know, do you want it? And I'm like, you just, you hold on to that because that's. That mm -hmm. one is slowly appreciating, and it was—it's in absolute mint min condition. I'm like, hang on to that. It doesn't look like much to yeah, you, but trust yeah. me. You, you know, well, you're absolutely right. And to take it a step further, what people don't realize is that you know, guitars are made out of wood. You know, they were tree at one point, mm. and as they age, uh, 
through vibration, through humidity, through a combination of elements, they become solid as a rock, and therefore they are just completely the sustain. It doesn't want to be a tree anymore. All the oxygen is blown out of the wood. Yeah. And you just have this solid piece of, you know, I, I mean, guitar after guitar, we could go on all night, you know. Yeah. Uh, why do they sound better, you know? I mean, my, my Kelly bass is my 68s and whatever. I mean, you know, that's a solid piece of, you know, Ronnie was after me to sell him that bass. I was like, sorry, man. You know, I I can't part with this. He said, well, I'll, you know, I'll pay you whatever you want. I'm like, it's, you know. Yeah, that's definitely, I saw that one. I was like, oh, he actually has a telly bass. And I'm like, oh, it looks fantastic. I bet it sounds just fantastic as well. well that's like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you talk about Mojo and the vibe. Yeah. It's, uh, it's over the top. Yeah. I mean, it just really, they don't make them, you know, it, it's, it, if I can give the analogy of like the old milk bottle, you know, when they used to drop it on your step, you know, back in the day. Yeah. Uh, and it was like an inch thick of glass all around, yeah. you know, and just, you know, a well-made American, you know, yeah. item. So they're just, yeah, I, I, I literally, I've got goosebumps right now, Jerry, talking <laughs> about telly base. I shit you not. Um, I'm that much of a gearhead, but it's, Scott, it's... Scott's the guy that plays an instrument. I don't, so... Yeah, it's, it is, it's, it's a gorgeous one. And the fact that, I mean, it has, you know, the old, the old capacitors and stuff too, just like... Yeah, well, that all goes in line with the, you know, they just don't make them like they used to yeah. anymore. Meaning, you know, the type of wiring, the type of uh, components put onto it, the fact that the strings are through the body, so it's getting the sustain through the whole piece, right. you know, not just the tailpiece on top. You know, right. I mean, we could go, you know, on about it, but it's, uh, you, you can't, you know, buy that off of, uh, you know, the shelf these days. Yeah, like and, I've told people, like I build know. I build guitars, and I, people have asked me, well, can you build me something like that? And it's like, well, yeah, I can, but the price that it's going to cost you, your wife is going to mm -hmm. stab you if, you if you pay me that, <laughs> you know? If you're still married. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, no, I got, where Where are you out on the island? No, we're uh, we're out just outside of Boston. Okay, or Rhode Island way or no, the other way? No, we're, we're in Massachusetts, just about 30 miles north of Boston. Okay, yeah. I got you. Yeah. All right, the old man, Paradise. and the, Paradise, wow. the channel. You probably remember the channel, right? The channel. That was one of my favorite right places to, to play, the channel. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Boy, that's, uh, I was back when I was skinny. <laughs>
So, Jerry, can I ask you a question about Lion? No, I, I love the band. Sure. Um, the one gripe I have, and I'm sure you get this from a lot of people, you can't get the CDs for, for you know, Dangerous Attraction and Trouble in Angel City. Uh, they're like yeah, Japanese yeah. import. They're like 200 bucks. It's like, how come they've never been... I, do you know why they've never been re-released or remastered? Oh, or yeah, like I, can, I can give you that answer right here to the whole world. Excellent. Essentially... The records that you speak of, first off, there's two different labels there. We'll, we'll start with Dangerous Attraction. Okay. Basically, when we signed on uh, in America, the Scotty Brothers, uh, they had, you know, if you know the history of them, they'd been, you know, through many distributors, uh, Atlantic distributed them at one point, CBS. Mm-hmm. And, uh, in fact, when we got there, it was, uh, a different, uh, reign of CBS brass that took them on because that's initially who distributed. Well, we, uh, we cut that record in their, uh, offices, which was like 20 blocks off the ocean down in Venice where they still have the place today. A lot, in fact, Richie Wise did a lot of records out of there. Mm-hmm. If you're familiar with him from the first, like two kiss records yeah. and, uh, you know, uh, but, but short story, even longer, um, Scotty brothers, we fell out with them right before, right about during the time of the release of uh, dangerous attraction. And they basically pulled that record and didn't distribute it anywhere. Uh, and essentially the records that you guys know of dangerous attraction are probably a Japanese import or maybe, I don't know if Music for Nations got it over in in England. I've got it on vinyl, and it's uh, it's not Music for Nations. Okay, so maybe Far Eastern Metal Syndicate yeah, or it, it's something like that. I can't remember off the top of my head, but it definitely it's probably Japanese. Music for yeah, is yeah. my my guess as well as like that EP that that Power Love EP two also was on a Japanese label before we did Dangerous Traction. Mm-hmm. But that's why you can't get that record now. Cut to uh, part two. Uh, Angel, uh, Trouble in Angel City, that record was cut at Sound City out here, you know, uh, where Grohl, you know, just did that film oh, about right, that desk yeah. and the whole thing. In fact, mm-hmm. that Lion record was cut on that disc, on that console oh, that's okay. in his thing. <laughs> in fact, I think there's a shot of Cal and Doug in that, in Sound City, like a still in that movie with them standing there when we were recording uh, that record. Oh, cool. But um, anyway, there was a guy back your way in Jersey, Brian McElvoy, who was, I think he worked for the uh, FMQB for a while, but then he branched out and did his own uh, label called uh, Grand Slam Records. And uh, when we were wavering from, you know, getting out of our Scotty Brothers deal, we, we actually paid a, a lawyer a heavy five figures to get away from them. And still to this day, I mean, I don't think it ever got resolved, but it cost a lot of money and we still didn't get it done. But anyway, this guy was willing to take a chance and record it and uh, put it out with, you know, pretty minor distribution. So it wouldn't, you know, really visibly get around the world if you wanted to buy it, so to speak. I mean, if you were, you know, in South America or maybe even in France or, you know, certain territories, I mean, you just, it wasn't available because you didn't have the, the muscle or the reach to get that product out there, yeah. in the, you know, shell. So 
essentially, that's why it's it's so hard to find, you know, both of those records because we just never had a proper label that actually did what they were supposed to do back then, which was, you know, distribute it properly, you know, get get a good distribution for it and get it out, you know, to the public. Yeah. Have you ever tried to, like, get the masters yourselves and do it? or is Well, that... it's, it's kind of funny you say that. <laughs> uh, I had a conversation the other day with Mark Edwards, who I'm in contact with regularly, and he's, he's down in Austin. And we were talking about, uh, you know, that I believe those masters revert back to, to us after 25 years. And um, there was actually, we uh, were talking about possibly trying to get that back. Excellent. Ourselves, and if we were to do that, you know, then we could actually have a, uh, you know, that that particular physical piece of product, which I don't know if anyone would really, really give a shit about it, but you know, we would have, and we could maybe put it out. I wouldn't say that, Jerry. I think the first album is a an undiscovered gem, to be yeah. honest. Plus, I think like if if someone like Rock Candy put it out. Yeah, I think definitely the the people that buy the stuff that's off the Rock Candy catalog would like, be like, mm -hmm. "Holy crap!" Lion. Yeah, I, yeah, I would agree with you. Yeah, no, I would agree with you. I mean, I'm very humbled, you know, by by you know the praise of it, and and I too think it's a great record. I mean, it had you know some great you know just great talent in, from the engineering to the you know Richie trying to produce it and whatever. I mean, that's basically us, you know, in there, you know, doing it with uh, uh, Bill Freeze engineering it so mm -hmm. you know bill freesh rather is his name okay and uh then dwayne baron actually did some of the demos for that but he actually we did some soundtrack stuff uh in lion like uh this charlie uh charlie sheen movie that was like a not even i mean came straight out and went to you know dvd yeah <laughs> okay called called the wraith okay and i think I think Ozzy was on that that thing too, and Molly Crew, and Lion, and uh, you know a few other things. Maybe you know it, maybe not. But that was um, also we did uh, uh, some soundtrack work for Friday the Thirteenth Part like four or something, and um, then of course the Transformers soundtrack too. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because yeah. the the co-host that I had before Richie joined the show, he was. Like right now, he'd be he'd be going crazy about because he would always talk about this Lion song and this Lion album and like always talking about the Transformers soundtrack and and also you did stuff. Did you do stuff with Trick or Treat soundtrack as well? Uh, no, no, we did not. No, I thought maybe you were involved in that one, but it, he was just an absolute nut about Lion and especially that he loved like everything that was on the Transformers soundtrack as well. It was always doing mm -hmm. that. So I think there's just a lot of people that are out there that that really remember the band. And I think like Richie, they would love to be able to have product in their hands again. Yeah, I'd love it. Well, they actually too, there's a Japanese release of that dangerous attraction with, I, with, I think the transformer uh, track on there as a bonus track. Mm -hmm. In fact, I'm almost positive of that. Cause I think I got that somewhere. Yeah. But, um, uh, you know, yeah, you know, great times, great, great band, you yeah. know, and, uh, it it uh, it really you know for me was quite the honor to you know play with those guys. So yeah. So did you go from Lion Dan Jerry to Freak of Nature, or was there a band in between those two? Uh, actually, I was playing with um, I was playing with this guitar player Gary Howie. He's from one time over. He's from Drake. 
And, oh, yeah, yeah. Of yeah. course. Well, that's why I kind of brought it up because I know he's a local. <laughs> that accent ain't going to fool me, man. You kidding? Um, anyway, he, I played with him and Frankie, Frankie Benali in oh, a band oh. called Heavy Bones. Yeah. Okay. And um, that was uh, with Joel. I think, yeah, Joel singing. And uh, actually, that's where I first met um, our uh, fr- uh, Phil Caffle, which engineered like all three Freak of Nature records. Okay. Um, was was him working with? Uh, they got uh, Ted, not Ted Templeman, but the other guy. The who produced uh, Van Halen the early uh, stuff? It was Ted Templeman? Ted Templeman, yeah, okay, yeah. and uh, who did that Heavy Bones record. Anyway, long story short, I I didn't end up playing with them after like, I don't know, almost a year, and they got another guy in there, and uh, that's that. But I was playing with them guys for like a year, mm-hmm. and then, uh, you know, I'd seen Tramp around um, from touring, and uh, we'd run into each other occasionally and stuff, and... Uh, uh, you know, I just remember one, <laughs> one meeting with him and Vito and, uh, me and Doug, we seen at this, this place, this Tokyo, uh, Japanese stir fry place. And they showed up one night. And so we actually shared a table because it was so uh, crowded. It was a really small place on uh, Hollywood Boulevard. Mm-hmm. And I can remember Vito saying, you know, this was after I think, you know, White Lion had sold, you know, shit, a, bazillion records off of that first record or whatever, you know, and, yeah. and Lion was like, you know, just trying to, you know, whimpering along. And I remember Vito go, Hey man, why don't you guys change your name back now? You know, because that whole white lion thing, uh, was because lion had that name, mm-hmm. which is trademarked by, you know, MGM. It's not even, you know, it just happened to be the name we had. And they actually changed the white lion because they were lion. But then, you know, found out about that. So I think Vito was always kind of like, you know, see, man, we sold many more records than you guys did. And, you know, so it was just kind of <laughs> funny. I always remember that. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, but anyway, so Tramp, yeah, I hooked up with him. In fact, uh, I just, uh, he just started a tour with, um, he's doing some dates with the Striper guys. I was, I was at Striper on a Friday night and I, I missed Mike. I couldn't go. I was at a, I was at a wedding. But he was um uh-huh. he was uh standing in front of the merch booth, photograph sign and stuff and everything. So you know, he's, he's, so he tramp was on the front end of that uh, on uh, on that date. Yeah, he was playing an acoustic set. Right, right, okay. Yeah, I I just saw him and he said, "Oh yeah, man, I'm gonna you know you know." It's like yeah, tell Robert. I said, "Well, you know, whatever." But uh, yeah, that was the next progression after after Heavy Bones was uh, hooking up with him. Yeah, because yeah. I I remember when Freak of Nature came. I'm I'm from Ireland, so I remember when okay. Freak, Freak of Nature came out. Um, Kerrang gave you very favorable reviews. Um, you yeah, know, I think a, a lot of people had a you know they they, they saw Mike Tramp in it and they thought it was going to be you know a bit like White Line, but it, it definitely yeah, had a di- definitely had a different sound to it. You know, it was more. It was yeah, heavier that's, sound. that's actually pretty. That's pretty spot on. Uh, you know, people were, you know, because it kind of morphed into like a grunge thing. Yeah. Almost, if I dare say. And, uh, you know, people were like, oh, come on, Tram, man. So, you know, it, this isn't like diet rock, you know, or whatever. And I remember him used to get slagged. But, you know, Kerrang! And, and a lot of those writers, though, actually became big fans of the band um, at the time. And we got some really good press 
yeah. you know, out of that metal hammer, you know, uh, Krang, uh, you know, product or whatever. But, um, yeah, you're right. We actually, we played, played Belfast. We played, uh, we only toured there, I think once mm -hmm. in, uh, Dublin and we only got two shows and I don't even think we played Cork. Okay. I recall, <laughs> I recall uh, playing that gig and going to, we had like a day room and it being bombed out the night prior <laughs> and we couldn't even get, we used our bus yeah. for uh, the dressing room. And I remember the road manager got rolled for like 200 quid and you know, it's just rough, yeah. you know, completely. In fact, we were signing, I think uh, we we're, you know, doing a meet and greet afterward and Someone, some one of the punters, like stowed away on our bus and locked himself into our bathroom on the bus, and we're we're headed down the, uh, you know, the the pike trying to get to, uh, you know, the ferry mm -hmm. and to get back across. And uh, my road manager, like, you know, launched this guy out of our bus. I mean, it was like, you know, ten degrees or something outside, and this kid, you know, was all, you know, shorts and whatever from the show and. You know, it was kind of like we didn't know if it was like, you know, IRA or something. Yeah. You know, I mean, but, uh, yeah, I, I got fun, you know, fond memories of Ireland, believe me. Yeah. You, you, you guys toured a lot now in, um, in Europe, from what I recall. I don't know. Oh, and that, yeah. yeah. I mean, there was a point where we probably did almost 120 gigs in like nine months or something. Yeah. It was, you know, a short, you know, it was, uh, not that long of a period of time, but also, you know, we were playing, I mean, in, in Germany, you know, five and six times within three months, you know? Yeah. Now, which album were you promoting when you got on the Strange Highways tour with Deal? That was what Freak of Nature record yeah. were we promoting? Yeah. That would have been the first one, okay. the, uh, just the self-titled one.
can you tell us how you got on that tour? Do you know? Was there someone in deal? Yeah, we actually, you, you know what? No, that was, uh, I want to say, John Jackson from Fair Warning. Okay. Uh, which is, uh, or it could have been, I'm trying to think if it was someone different, but also um, that president of, uh, of uh, uh, Music for Nations had some pull too. Mm-hmm. And we were actually offered, I think, Purple, uh, ZZ Top, and... Dio, but I think the other two, the other two gigs, in fact, I know for a fact, uh, got pushed back because of their album not coming out or their, you know, they couldn't get together and whatever. And, you know, we were very like, shit, we'll, we'll play some huge, you know, venues with those guys any day. I mean, Deep Purple, I don't, you know, think it really would get much better than that for me, you know? So, yeah. um, but it ended up, you know, where Ronnie was, you know, had just come out and I think John Jackson was his, uh, agent too. And I think Fair Warning booked that tour, and that's how we got on it. Okay, and it was like it was a pretty extensive tour of Europe. I think it was I think we were talking to Jeff Pilson. He said it was like two and a half months. So. Yeah, yeah, we went into East Germany. Yeah, you know, and mm-hmm. it, it went, and I mean, it was it was bollock cold, man. Yeah. Let me tell you, that was like a serious. You know, I'm thinking, you know, what you know, who would get people to tour out at those in those conditions at that time, but. You know how it goes. I mean, it's rock and roll, but man, yeah, it, that was pretty frigid. You yeah. know, I wrote, I think, on my website that was like, you know, one cold ass winter tour. Man, I'm still falling out from that. Yeah. How, how far into Eastern Europe did you go? Did you go to Russia or any of these we places? Didn't, we didn't go that far. I think uh, Helsinki. Oh, uh, you know, we were up there. You yeah. know, um, some Swedish states. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there was, uh, you know, Spain. There was Germany. There. Probably Belgium was in mm-hmm. there too, too, because uh, I remember us breaking off doing some of our own solo dates off of that tour. There's a there's a gig in uh, in Vosloar, in Belgium. Yeah. Uh, this guy B Bob, old Bob there. Now he's like a promoter for I think uh, Grass Pop, and um, he uh, we we played his place several times. A lot of a lot of uh, national acts played that place. You know, from like Glenn Hughes to on on down, Jeff Soto, you know, a bunch of guys. Yeah. Uh, and um, that's that's quite popular. But anyway, um, yeah, that was uh, that was a cool tour, and it was cool. I mean, you know, they uh, treat us great. Of course, that's where I met. You know, pretty much Tracy. Yeah. I knew Jeff from before, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, also Vinny too. And that's where you know Ronnie had said, "Okay, that's where we saw you play." Was on that that tour you know yeah. um so that's kind of how i i guess i got the call yeah and how long a set did uh did Dio give you every night did you get like 50 minutes an hour can you remember no we no we he was you know quite cool i mean you know uh we had probably 50 to an hour i'd say 50 or 60 mm-hmm. and he you know there was no you know with, with him i mean you know, I think the confidence is just so high that, you know, it doesn't matter who you put in front of the guy. I mean, the talent factor yeah. is just going down. I mean, and, and not just from Ronnie. I mean, Jeff Pilson, people have no clue how well that guy can sing and or how well he can write songs as well as play guitar. Yeah. You know, forget mm-hmm. the bass and whatever. And he, he doesn't live too far from me, actually. But, you know, him and then, you know, Vinny, I mean... Not much to really say about it. I mean, he blows his brother away. 
uh, in my opinion. And, and, you know, when Carmine used to come down to those rehearsals with Dio, it was hilarious because Ronnie and Vinny would just gang up on Carmine. And I'm telling you, the funniest shit would go down <laughs> with those guys. One of the funniest things I ever heard Ronnie say was, you know, hey, Carmine, you, you know, you think you're getting publishing on that mustache? You know, and... <laughs> You know, they would just let that guy have it <laughs> night after, you know, night. It was great. Oh, yeah, so that's where actually I met Carmine. But that whole thing with the drum wars and stuff, you know, it's yeah. all, you know, they're, they're businessmen from Brooklyn. You know, it's, I mean, you know. Yeah, we were talking to Jeff and, and talking about trying to get Vinny on for this. And Jeff's like, yeah, no, well, I can probably get you Vinny and stuff as well. If you need to push it over, just one thing, just let Vinny know that we're talking to Carmine next week. He's like, oh, yeah, that, yeah, that'll work, yeah. That's perfect. <laughs> That's Yeah, it's exactly like it is. I mean, if those guys could just hit each other with their pocketbooks, man, it would be great. Yeah, yeah. You know, but, yeah, man, it's, uh, it's you know, so, so the, yeah, the bottom line, that the whole talent factor in that, that was going good. And even Scott Warren, I mean, a lot of people don't realize you know, Scott played keys for Sabbath for a while, as well as Heaven and Hell, yeah. and uh, you know a bunch of other cheesy bands that he probably wouldn't want to admit to. But you know, yeah, no, he's um, and he's one of those too. He's like one of those hidden gems because I'm uh, I've gotten friendly with uh, with Sandy Sledge and uh, and Leather Leone, mm -hmm. and obviously Scott's been working with them with the stuff that they were doing, mm -hmm. and and they were yeah, they just were praising him up and down of how much he brought to the whole project. So, mm -hmm. you know, he's like one of those yeah. guys, too. Yeah, it's absolutely. I mean, you know, it's important to, you know, when we're talking about stuff, to set a picture, a mental picture in your mind of what is really going on. Because here you are, you know, you're slugging it out 23 hours a day to get on that stage for an hour. And you're getting to see these guys, I mean, you know, right side stage night after night. I mean, yeah. I stand, stand there and just go, you know, where does Ronnie get this voice from? Yeah. That just this guy comes up and forget about it. I mean, it's, you know, he was slaying it. I mean, you know, I've only heard the guy crack one time and that's because we pranked him on that tour. <laughs> what did you do, Joey? So, well, they, uh, we were playing this, this town in, uh, how to be the North desert in Germany by up by getting up by Denmark. Uh, Fallon maybe is the name of it. Okay. And, um, they had a track, if I recall on that uh, Strange Highways uh, album called, um, I want to say Jesus, Mary and the Mother Holy and Ghost. the Holy Ghost. Yeah, there, yeah, there you first, go. First track. And, and so they, uh, they would launch into that number, you know, and Ronnie would come out, you know, the band would play first. So we actually uh, dressed up like like Christ and like Mary Magdalene, <laughs> and we got a big cross, you know, and, and came out in like uh, like diaper cloths, you know, and whatever, and just walked across the stage as he starts the number. Right, he's he's start ready to sing, and he looks over, he sees this. Right, we're just kind of creeping along, you know, very slowly. And he cracked. He just started laughing. He couldn't even like get out the first verse. And it was, you know, it's just one of those things, man. It's <laughs> pretty funny. Very good, oh, man. That's classic. Yeah. So what what did you make of um, the Strange Highways album? The, the 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 songs that they were playing on it was it like were you surprised with the the change in sound that they had from when well, you first met them? This is what what I would say about it is this: is that Tracy Grialva, man. People don't realize the talent going down with that guy. Yeah. I mean, he came out 
And, I mean, okay, look at the time we're talking to. We're talking 90s. You know, yeah. we're not in the 80s anymore. You know, he already had Viv, you know, when Viv was 17 or 18, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, he had Craig, you know. So, I mean, he's going literally from an Irish guy to, you know, an American. And um, now he's got a guy from, like, California, you know, that's laid back, that's all, you know, tuning down using baritone guitars. Um, and just coming, you know, across with a sound that I think was for the nineties. I mean, it was, you know, one of the, the better type of sounds out there because it was tuned down that way and such, mm -hmm. you know, and it wasn't grunge. It wasn't, it was its own thing. And I don't think he, you know, really gets enough, you know, credit. He was in that band for, you know, 10 years. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it just, I, I just don't think the credit was due. And that's when you talk about the sound and the difference of that. I mean, you always had Ronnie's voice and melody, and you knew, you know, how that tone was. But as far as the guitar goes, I think it equals and it rivals the same thing that Ronnie was putting out. And it was fresh. It yeah. wasn't, you know, uh, high gain guitar tone. You know, it was, it was its own signature thing. And, you know, I don't ever think really his fans really accepted, you know, what he had to say, you know, in his songwriting. Yeah, and that's what I, when we talked to Tracy, and I, you know, I'd even said to Tracy, I'm like, you know, asking about some of the feedback he got and stuff, and, and I said, really? I mean, don't these guys ever think when they're, like, complaining about your playing of really what they're saying is that Ronnie didn't know how to pick a guitar player and and he was like you know damn it you're right it's like that's exactly right it's like this is Ronnie picked me because he knew that I could deliver and stuff and um and and I agree with you that people really haven't given Tracy the credit that he deserves mm -hmm. and stuff and that I think that is part mm -hmm. of the impetus that Richie had behind trying to get this whole special thing that we're doing about strange highways together is to kind of mm -hmm. let people go back and just have a rethink about it and relook yeah, at the album. Exactly. Yeah. Replay it, you know? Uh let it do justice. I mean, the way it sounds now in 2013 and the approach and whatever. I mean, you know, I have demos of, you know, that Angry Machines record that, you know, just are, some of them, in my opinion, sound better than what came out, mm -hmm. you know, but that's always, you know, you're always chasing demo, you know, that demo-itis type of deal where yeah. you try to make it sound better or what have you, but I mean, that was done at, you know, Cornerstone out here in L.A., and, uh, you know, uh, once again, it's just that, you know, to me, Tracy, you know, doesn't uh, doesn't necessarily get to do, and the fact that you know all of those guys, all the talent that was brought to that table, yeah, know, for that record. I mean, it, you know, people say, "Oh, that's his worst record." Well, you know what? That's an opinion. You know, they're like assholes. Everyone has one. Yeah, and uh, you can say what you want. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, you know, you can pick different era, eras of Ronnie and enjoy them just the same, rather than say, "Oh, well, this is better than this." You know, it's a different. You know, it's like apples and oranges, man. Yeah, now there's been a lot of talk over the years about, you know, the fans not taking to Tracy in some of the live shows. Did did you see any of that when you were on the European tour at all? Or did this, did the set go over great every night? Because they played a lot of Strange Highways on, on the tour. Yeah, yeah, no, no, they did. They chose a number of tracks off of that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they, those were all pretty much Ronnie and, and him writing those. I yeah. mean, you know, and... Um, I think Europe is is a lot more, uh, you know, accepting 
of certain change, um, you know, than say America, where I just don't think, uh, you know, they, they did extensive touring, if I recall, on that record in America. And, uh, you know, they weren't playing the biggest places or what have you, but I just don't think that, uh, he was accepted that way. You know, it's, it's almost like saying, um, you know, when say Tommy Bowen replaced, uh, you know, Richie and they're playing like the Hammersmith Odeon, you know? Yeah. I mean, people are just not going to accept that it's, you know, it's not him, you know? And, um, unfortunately that will, you know, that will always go down. I mean, it's just like, you know, you know, some people can say, Hey, uh, I like, you know, I don't know, Hager Van Halen, just like I like Roth, man, you know, whatever. But, uh, it's, it's hard. And I think, uh, Tracy, you know, felt the brunt of that. And, um, it was kind of like an unfair kind of, uh, you know, rap. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Yeah. And I think it's true, you know, what you said, too, about the acceptance thing, too, is, I mean, that's definitely true. I think that you you look at even some of the festival vills in Europe, how varied they can be, and the fans go there, and they kind of accept all the bands that are on yeah, the Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. I mean, they could teach the world. I mean, you know, open-air festivals from June to, say, August in Europe, I, I mean, you know, they got it down. I don't mm -hmm. care if it's like Oxygen in, in Oxygen Festival in Ireland or or it's Download, or it's uh, Roskilde. I, I mean, I could go on and on. Pink Pop. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, you know, these people know how to do, you know, throw a open-air festival. You yeah. know, it's it's well-catered. It's well-organized. It's the, the fans, you know, go berserk for whatever band's on there, and you have such a diverse mix, you know? I mean... You know, it, it's brilliant. Yeah. You, you also see over there, too, I think a lot that, I mean, I can remember growing up and, and, you know, you can probably remember it, too, that, you know, as kids, like, we used to, like, live and breathe music and be so into it. And, like, all of our friends were into it, too. And and now you, you kind of look here in the States and there isn't so much of that kind of thing of being so much into it. But a lot of the, you know, people over in Europe, they're still so into music. Oh, yeah, it's a huge market for you. You're absolutely yeah. right. I mean, they, the whole culture of music in Europe, you know, if I can rant a bit, is uh, such on a higher playing field, a higher level, a higher, it's, it's respected as like a national, you know, think guys like Mozart and, you know, Debussy and, and, and famous, famous conductors. I mean, you know, they're living in Vienna like kings, yeah. you know, because that's the way culture is over there. Whereas in America, it's more disposable. It's more crowded. It's more the kids these days are very entitled, you know, and what's fair and what's not fair. And, yep. you know, it's kind of, um, you know, the difference, in my opinion, of, you know, the two cultures and how you're placed you know, and, and what your actual, you know, placement in society is. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's not that way in America. No, it's unfortunate. I can, you know, like I, I work with some folks, you know, from Europe. So I'll talk to this woman and she'll be, oh, yeah, you know, like my husband, he plays and he does. And the next thing you know, she's like, oh, I didn't know you, you did stuff. And the next thing you know, I'm getting like, hey, check out this song I did, and what do you think, and, you know, can you add a part to it, or can you do a bass line or a guitar line, and, and all of a sudden you got this huge friendship, and it's just, it's all over this, they realize, oh, crap, there's this guy in America that's as into 
music and really thinks about this probably more than anything else that he does um and i miss that i've got kids that are really very music focused too and they also they'll complain of like going to school getting excited about going to see deep purple and they go to school and their friends are like well you're making up this band who is this band deep purple and they come home and they're just like ah they just listen to like disposable crap and they don't understand like real musicians and real bands and playing and hooks and all of that and it's well you know a funny thing uh, you know if i could just add to it not to cut you off but i i also teach i teach bass and guitar yeah and uh i tell my, some of my students i'm saying see this instrument here you know take a good look because this is how music used to be made <laughs> you know, these days you can sit there and cut and paste anything in, you know, digital performer or Pro Tools. Yeah. And all you need is one bar. Yeah. You know what I mean? All you need, some guy hit his kick drum once, sample that whole thing, snare, same thing, guitar licks, you know, and just drop it in and paste it and copy it. And, you know, there's no such thing as like live performance. Yeah. And warts and the fact of, you know, you have some classic live records that came out back in the day that weren't touched. I mean, you also have some that were touched, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah, well, like the thing now, Jerry, you, you look at like all the arena rock bands now, they're, once they're gone, there's nobody coming up underneath them, really. Once Metallica are gone, in the hard rock and metal genre especially, there's there's no younger band that's going to be playing stadiums that I can see anyway. Well, I you know, I agree in the sense that you don't have any substance there. You know, I mean, it's not like you, you get old classic dudes who are still wanting the rock that have been doing it forever that, you know, the, the scene wasn't so crowded, yeah. you know, back then. That's why you have, you know, bands that are, are genre specific, yet they still stand the test of time. Like, you know, uh, you could sit there and say Led Zeppelin. I mean, you know, they stole from everybody. But you know what? You, you still hear that music that was, you know, recorded for like 1200 quid. And it sold, you know, you know how many millions of records? Yeah, yeah. Or a first Sabbath record, you know, or something. I mean, it just, you know, that that whole, you know, live type of recording, as well as you know, sloppy and and just you're getting tones because you're hearing it coming off the vinyl, you know, not off of tape. Yeah. Plus, I think too, you have the whole idea of like when you when you were coming up, when I was coming up. I, you were fighting for like spots and multiple bills and clubs and you were honing your craft and you were trying mm -hmm. to be better than the other band. So, you know, because you were in a pretty crowded scene, you know, in the North New York area, I had a ton of bands mm -hmm. here in the Boston area and you were always trying to, you know, steal from the other band for one, but then learn from them and then be better than them. And, and now I think you, you have that immediacy too, right? Of these people that maybe never ever even played out, but put something together in their house, put it up on YouTube and now they're waiting, you know, as opposed yeah, to really, yeah. you know, slotting it's not a sense out. of urgency there. You know, there's yeah. not a sense of like, you know, rehearsing your ass off for five or six nights a week before the gig, you know, and, uh, right. just taking it a hell of a lot more serious and, and treating it very, you know, religiously, like yeah. this is, you know, this is what it's going to take. Yeah. And, um, you know, you, that's another lost art unto its own. Right. And I don't think yeah. records will ever be made, you know, be made that way. You know, yeah. where there's a budget that you only could adhere to. You can only get so many hours of time and you can only, you know, people sit there and dwell on, you know, that, that ride cymbal or that, that guitar solo punch, you know. Or something. I mean, it, it's just, you know, the days of 
cutting stuff live. I mean, maybe Grohl, you know, cut stuff live, you know, but there's really few cats doing it. Jack White, yeah, you know, he's using analog tape and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. But there's really, you know, when you think about it, you know, there's not really too many metal bands that I know that are actually, you know, going back to that old school in that way, you know, and actually getting the product out pretty quick. I mean, you know, day and age of like Metallica cut insane anger, taking them who knows what 18 <laughs> months or, or 24 months to do. I mean, you know, yeah. the world changes in that time. Yeah. Yeah, d definitely. So, like you said, it is kind of a, of a lost art. And you probably, you probably see it in your students too, right? I mean, when you were playing bass, probably the biggest thing I know when I, when I was playing bass, it was working with your drummer. It was getting that eye contact. It was learning how to play mm -hmm, in front mm -hmm. of the beat and behind the beat. And I mean, all these mm -hmm. things that made you an in the pocket bass player. And I'm mm -hmm. sure you see some of your bass students that maybe they know the notes, but you, you can you can't get across to them. You're playing like a robot. Don't play well, like a guitar player. Well, you can't teach that feel. Yeah. yeah, you can't teach feel, man. Where you know some people, guys, in fact, that you play with, and I'm sure famous or not so famous or what have you. But you know, I'm always searching with a guy that I know I'm going to hit on that same one with them, whether it be a drummer or whether it be uh, a guitar player. You yeah, know, where yeah. the groove you both feel the same groove naturally. It's not forced. Right. You know, I mean, someone like Vinny Apice, you know, when you, you play with him, I mean, you better pull back and, and get a few sandwiches because by the time he gets around, you know, on those toms, man, you're, you're waiting for that one. You know, yeah. his beat is way back. I mean, I adjusted myself to play with him. Yeah. You know, because I, he was so, so far back. And that, that added to, you know, 50% of the heaviness with how slow he played, you know? Focus! This is called Institutional Man.
How did you get the uh, the gig for the Angry Machines tour to play with Vinny? Well, uh, how did that really come about? Well, came to, you know, after I think we toured that uh, the second or the third Freakin' Nature record, I got home and I recall, how did that kind of come about? I recall getting a call from Wendy and uh, they were rehearsing at this, uh, this other rehearsal hall that I think Freakin' Nature had been at mm-hmm. called uh, Mets Cartage, not not Bob Runner's mates, but this other place in the valley. And uh, I think Cheryl Crow was in there too. And uh, there was like three rooms, and um, they were they were down there, and they were they were kind of uh, you know talking about the new you know doing uh, the new. Uh, the Angry Machines record, you know, which later became the Biddy. And I think they had uh, they had some commitments, uh, maybe Europe and uh, and South America, uh, South America first and Europe. And uh, he uh, he recalled from playing in Freaking Nature, he's like, you know, I, they were like, hey, why don't we talk to that guy? And I remember they were um, they were auditioning a bunch of guys, and a bunch of them were my friends, you know. And I was like, oh, hey, man you know, whatever, and uh, I went in there and played with him, and uh, he kind of, he kind of <laughs> comes out, he goes, okay, you guys can go home, man, we're going to use Jerry, you know, and I was kind of <laughs> like, oh, man, you know, I mean, it was, you know, I was like embarrassed, kind of, like, like, whoa, you know, did you have to tell him that way, you know, but <laughs> that's kind of what happened, and these guys yeah. were like, oh, okay, so, so then I uh, started working with him, and uh, essentially, that's how it came about because he had told me, he goes, yeah, you know, I remember you from, from that band. And, and, you know, he's like, I kept my eye on you. And I was like, shit, I, you know, I couldn't believe hearing it from, you know, him. Yeah. Nice. So, so did you, did you play any of the strange highways tracks on the tour or was it mostly angry machines and then all the classic stuff? No, it was, you know, it was, he still, the angry machine stuff wasn't really, uh, you know, they were still in experimental, you know, we still had arrangements and stuff like that. It was mainly, you know, his, you know, the, the, his year of Sabbath. Yeah. Uh, his like first, second solo record. Um, you know, uh, there wasn't, in fact, I don't think I played a, uh, well, wait a minute. Um, there's a strange, uh, it strange highways starts out with a bass lick. I think of jets. I have to think about it, but there was only maybe one. Was it evolution? One or t- two numbers. Evolution. Yeah. yeah. What record is that off of? Strange highways. Yeah. Okay. That might've been it. Okay. It must've been awesome for you. Like to play with Vinny and Ronnie and Tracy because Jeff, when we spoke to Jeff Pilson, he said that if you go on YouTube and you see videos of those, that band, he said it was ab- it was absolutely phenomenal, and then you got you a chance to play with him when Jeff, you know, Jeff didn't. So it must have been an incredible honor for you. Well, it absolutely was. As I said at the outset, you know, I'm humbled. You know, the fact that uh, I've got to play with some, you know, some great folks. Yeah. And obviously, he's one of them. And mm-hmm. you know, God, you know, bless his soul to give me, you know, the shot to do it. Yeah. Because I mean, he could have called Jimmy. You know, he could have called. Uh, his buddy there from New York who stepped in for that, uh, what was it? The, uh, lock of the wolves, that bass player, Larry, uh, cook. What's his name? Uh, uh, I, I can't something cook. 
I think is his name. The, the bass player played on that record. And also, um, you know, um, he could have got whoever he wanted. Yeah. Line, so. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah they'd be like, well, we, you saw it. They were lining up to play with him, right? And, oh, yeah. Absolutely. And I know you used Bob Daisley, too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, prior to. So, I mean, come on. You know, it was like, you know, for me, I was, like I said, I'm just, you know, fortunate enough to get the call. Yeah. So you toured South America with with Dio. Is that, is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. Can yeah. You, are the fans as rabid down there about metal as they say? Oh, yeah. They, they love it because. Let's face it, not a lot of people get down there to play to them. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's almost similar to playing in Northern Ireland. Yeah. Bands just don't get up there because they're like, well, we don't want to, you know, there's a lot of violence, you mm -hmm. know, with, you know, whatever. Yeah. And so what happens? Those poor fans are truly starved of rock and roll and also will the one be the ones paying the 40 and 50, you know, bucks a, a disc and whatever because yeah. they can't, you know, it's not a, uh, you know, regular uh, thing in their country. Mm -hmm. I mean, they got to import everything. And so, you know, that makes them almost twice the fan that you find who can find that stuff. You know, okay. they, you know, there's press conferences, there's, you know, daily, like, meet and greets. And I mean, you know, the, the respect level is like uh, Europe. Yeah. You know, they, they hold that culture in high esteem. And, uh, you know, you get, you go down there and I mean, it's like, you're, you know, you could be as big as Madonna, Yeah. you know what I mean? But to them, I mean, it's, it's, you know, I, I take my hat off to them and I have a lot of respect. How big were the, the venues you were playing on that tour? Were they like arenas, 20,000 or? They were, yeah, they were, well, actually I'd say, uh, theaters to arena size because okay. they could, he could sell out pretty good. Yeah. And, you know. It was anywhere from probably, I'd say, 5,000 to, like, you know, 12, 15, mm -hmm. you know, and some of the bigger ones. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, Ronnie, you know, I, I think he actually did a Rock in Rio or two of them. He may have even done, like, one solo and then one with Sabbath or something. But, you know, I mean, these, fan, these fans come out, you know, camp out for days. They, you know, they're there from, from the beginning to the end. There's no, like, you know bullshit and yeah. it's you know it's pretty great did any of you get scared at any time with the the fans you know because they can be a bit over exuberant was there any any of that well you you have you know there's always a percentage of that yeah uh, i don't i don't say like you know with anything too you know crazy but i recall you know being uh in a like a you know passenger van like a you know ford 16 seater uh going to the gig and with windows that weren't blacked out and like you know them surrounding your your van, yeah, and and Ronnie Ronnie would be like, "Wow, man, we're like fishing the bowl," you know. <laughs> and I'm like, "Yeah, you know, that's that's interesting because that's exactly kind of like what it was." Yeah, yeah. And um, you know, the same thing in Japan. You know, Lion got to a pretty big status over there, and we were playing just right under, you know, like Budokan. Uh, we were playing, you know, huge venues too, and same kind of thing. I mean, the fans were just because not too many people go over there, the minute, you know, they have you over there, I mean, they would start interviews from, like, 6 a.m. to, like, you know, 9 p.m. and be like, you know, you're here to work. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I got it, but, you know, <laughs> son of a bitch. Yeah. You know, and it's just the way it is because they're, you know, the respect and the, you know, fact that they don't, you know, have many celebrities and many bands that, you know, travel there. I mean, you talk to guys, 
you know, like Ainve or like, uh, you know, bands that are, you know, they'll tell you Japan is a key component. You know, yeah. Mr. Udo, the yeah. big promoter over there with only nine fingers. <laughs> the fans bring you gifts over there, don't they? When they meet you, if they get the chance to meet you, they bring gifts and give them to you. Oh, yeah. yeah Absolutely. So, I have uh, I have backdrops. I mean, I have stuff, you know, put away Yeah. that, uh, you know, from various parts of the world that, you know, are very dear to my soul. Excellent. Cool. Excellent. You know, before we let you go, Jerry, I just want to say it's been great having you on, and we actually really love having guests like you because it's somebody that most shows don't have, but then a lot of people that are listening are like going, holy crap, like that guy, like I remember him, he did this or he did that. And it's cool because, you know, you're like one of these guys who's done so much and work with so many people, and, um, you know, we we definitely would welcome the opportunity to have you back on again and, and talk to you some more because it's definitely been a Well, hey, thanks, you guys. I mean, it, my pleasure, man. It's great to wrap with you. I probably, you know, over-talked your gig, but, Not you know. At all. Hey, Not at all. what the hell, you know, you guys, it's it's fine. I mean, thank you very much. I, I would uh, come on your show again, and I can spread the word as well. And I could definitely talk gear with you all day because <laughs> Richie, Richie glazes over when I Jer start talking Jerry, gear. Jerry, he could talk gear to you all day. I'm telling you now. <laughs> I think one night I talked gear with Chris Poland for about two hours. I shit you not. Chris Poland. Yeah. There's another guy, man. Yeah. Man, his band, we played some gigs with Dan the Machine, I think, back in 91, 90. When was that band around? Like, you know, but another guy that's a sweet guy. Yeah. You know, great player. You know, just never got to do. Yeah. yeah. What are you up to now? And, you know, obviously, the, you know, the best place for them to go find out about you, right, is, is jerrybest.com? Yeah, I, I try to, you know, get that updated. Sometimes it's not. I have my, my webmaster's in uh, Helsinki, actually, hmm. and uh, he takes care of it for me, and it's been done a really good job, actually. Uh, my buddy uh, Chuck Wright uh, turned me on to him. He helped me with my website. And um, currently, what have I done? Well, I just got, I just did some dates with uh, Manny Charlton. You know okay. him from Nazareth? Nazareth, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's a legend. Uh, we did some gigs in Mexico with, uh, with Sweet, uh, which is the Steve Priest okay. Sweet. All right. Not the guitar player one that's, you know, the guitar player has it, the name in, in England and Steve has it in America. Yeah. So kind of funny but anyway uh yeah we did some gigs in mexico and uh i did a track i did a couple of tracks actually for his newest record that's just coming out called uh the hell is he calling that record actually it just came out it's on itunes hellacious okay. that's the name of that record tim bogart did most of the bass on it oh, cool. and uh yeah. i came and did a couple tracks also wally reyes who plays with uh i think he plays with chicago and he's played with uh Santana, a bunch of bands. He's really good. He played drums on that. I think I think Steve Adler played a track on that too. Hmm. Yeah. And um, anyway, I was doing that, and now, and now what? Oh, I got a call from uh, Jack Russell's people. Oh, okay. And he wanted to, you know, possibly do something, but I think they're going to get. Uh, I think they're going to get Tony Montana to come back and play, which would be really good for him, you know, because he needs, you know, he needs more of the guys. You know, I think Sean McNabb played that, that band for a while, too. Yeah. So, you know, it'd be better for him because, you know, obviously there's two of those bands. I mean, hey, what is the deal with these guys with the same name and now there's two bands? <laughs> Queens. I mean, really? Yeah. 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 I mean, it comes to mind, you know, I mean, my friend Terry Singer from Terry Loose, you know him? XYZ. From, uh, he's now, yeah, XYZ yeah. guy. He's now, 
he's now fronting the gray white band, you yeah. know, with, with, uh, you right. know, those original dudes, mm-hmm. you know, Mark, Mark and Audie and, yeah. you know, whatever. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I just, I, I just wanted to ask him, I was like, well, you know, does people really care about, you know, one great white, let alone two? I was like, you know, who, who's getting doing the business on this? The promoter, you know, and the fact that, like, you're kind of saying, like, you Queens Reich, it's like, okay, which, which uh, band, you know, which one do I get? Yeah, well, I, you know, because I, I think some of the people don't even know which band they're going to get. They just I see agree. The name and then they turn up and they're like, that's who, who why are these I'm guys? saying about the promoter thing. Yeah, going, hey man, I can make some bob off of this because you know they'll, you know, once they get duped, they've already paid the money. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you don't want to see that particular version, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. I'm just, it's, it's, I think it's, kind of <laughs> right, though, it's crazy. It is crazy. I mean, yeah. and some of them just get ridiculous, you know, yeah. um, between. Well, I mean, or, you look at some of these bands, you're like, who's the only original guy in it? It's like, well, well I got the original bus driver. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, so. Yeah, that I, is true. I find it hard to believe, yeah. but uh, Tramp actually was just telling me he's out on tour doing it, you know, driving himself. And, uh, you know, doing solo acoustic whenever. And I was like, yeah, man, that's great. You don't got to split the money anyway, shape or form, you know. Yeah. You don't got to worry yeah. about the bus driver crashing at night, you know, being up all night and shit. So. Yeah, I was going to ask you a question about Mike Trump. Me and Scott were talking earlier on. We're big Tin Lizzy fans. And I remember mm-hmm. back in the day that Mike Trump was a massive Tin Lizzy fan. Can you confirm that? Absolutely is. <laughs> tell you not a word of this is true Don't believe me if I tell you Especially if I'm telling you That I'm in love with you Don't believe me if I tell you That I wrote this song for you Cause there might be some other silly pretty girl I'm singing it to Don't believe a word Don't believe a word Cause words are so easily spoken Like the promise made to be broken Don't believe anything that I say to you Cause there might be some other pretty girl I'm singing to Don't believe a word Cause words are so easily spoken Don't believe a word Guess your heart's like the promise made to be broken Tell you not a word of this is true Don't believe me if I tell you Especially if I'm telling you That I'm in love with you Don't believe me if I tell you That I wrote this song for you Cause there might be some other silly pretty girl I'm singing it to So don't believe a word Don't believe a word Cause words are so easily spoken Angel heart is like the promise made to be broken Don't believe anything that I say to you Cause there might be some other pretty girl I'm singing to Don't believe a word Cause words are so easily spoken Don't believe a word Cause your heart's like the promise He has uh, that cat on his left 
forum, I want to say. Mm -hmm. left. Yeah, I think it was left or it was right. But, uh, yeah, oh, yeah, he... Uh, yeah, we could go, we could talk. That's another story for another day. Because, uh, <laughs> he's, uh, you know, he's, yeah, he's over the top, yeah. you know, when it comes to Phil. I mean, you could hear it in freaking nature, you know, because we were big fans too. You know, Cal Swan was always like saying, you know, what's this Led Zeppelin shit? You know, he goes, man, the band that you want to know about is, is Thin Lizzy, you know? Yeah. And, you know, just purists, you know, two different day, you know, day and age, and, and, and you know, bands that, uh, you know, worked really hard, didn't get their due. I mean, he had several great guitar players. Yeah. Songwriting was spot on. I mean, you know, what's not to like, you know? Yeah, and true. I met his mom a few times, you know, Phil. Philomena. Philomena, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, she has that, that gig uh, every, I think, Divide every for, holiday. Yeah, it's the vibe for Phil. Over there. Yeah, and I think so. Yeah, the that's exactly right. Yeah. It's the 4th or 5th of January, I think. Yeah, there, yeah. You know, and I've, uh, you know, yeah, I've actually been with Grave and stuff. And I mean, yeah, it was, you know, different, two different strokes, you know, European yeah. likes versus American, you know. But yeah, Tramp, he's a, you know, I should tell him to call you guys up. <laughs> yeah. You guys could talk with him. Well, we spoke to Marco Mendoza a couple of weeks ago because he's on the, he played with Tim Lizzy mm -hmm. and the Black Star Riders, and he was a great guy. Yeah, to of talk course, as well. yeah. Yeah. You know. But of course, yeah, if you want to hook us up with uh, Mike Trump, with, with Mike, yeah, we'd Love be it. happy to talk to him. Absolutely. Yeah. And, definitely. Uh, well, yeah, I just, I mean, hey, you know, he's, I mean, we you talk Lizzy to you all night long, <laughs> you know, as well as whatever you want to talk about, but it's, He's got his new solo record out called Cobblestone Street, which mm -hmm. is like his songwriting sounds like uh, it's almost like a Dylan or a Petty, you know, where it's just open guitar chords and, you know, he's got his, you know, his capo on and whatever and stuff. And it's a record he's been waiting to make for like the last 20 years. I knew, he, you know, I always knew he had it in him because I, I've known him since he yeah. had so. Yeah. But uh, I'll tell him about you guys. Maybe he can squeeze you in since he's uh, on the road, but he's, I think he's doing like a. He told me like the next seven nights. So yeah, yeah. I'll pass your information along to him. Okay, and, that'd be great. Uh, that'd be great, yeah, Jerry. You know, hey, helps everyone out. Yeah, excellent, awesome. And like I said again, it's it's been a blast having you on, and we'd love to have you on again. You know, anytime. Sure. Well, thanks. Cheers to both you guys, man. You know, and uh, hey, when I get out that way, you know, doing some dates or whatever, I should look you up, and you know, yeah. we can have uh, some coffee or. or or something that'd know? be great sure yeah that'd absolutely be great, yeah yeah all right hey you guys have a great one and uh i'll be in you know we'll be in touch right all right yes, no absolutely. problem jerry all That's right good. cheers all right, all right. there you go everything from jerry best hope you guys enjoyed that one and we still continue to enjoy doing these bringing them out and we always get a great reaction when we do them so um thanks richie for all the all the hard work putting it together no it's it's, it's not not work at all when this thing happens <laughs> when you get all these guys wanting to come on it's a pleasure yeah really i'm just still amazed that we've got all this audio yeah it's been it's been an incredible experience
It's a lot of audio. Yeah. It's a lot of editing. Sorry. <laughs> Headphones <laughs> are growing to my head. But uh, but, it, but it is good. It's great hearing about all this stuff, and it's great letting everybody know about it. And again, we appreciate everybody's great words about these. Every time we put one of these out, it seems like we get a, a ton of emails, and it seems to go all over the place on Twitter. And we really do appreciate it, and it does really make it worthwhile every time we do one of these. So, uh you know, thank you guys for sticking with us and uh, keeping us on track with this. I really, I'm screwed now for the next one. <laughs> this is the only way it's down. <laughs> I'm I'm actually thinking about what I'm going to pick. So uh, the bands have better uh, shut off their Twitter and everything else now. They'll have me hounding them. <laughs> All right. So, uh, you know, as I say, usual stuff. Keep up with us on focusonmetal.net, focusonmetal.blogspot.net, or it's the blogspot.com. God, it's all getting mixed up now. Follow us on Twitter and on Facebook. And if you are listening to us on iTunes, then uh, drop a comment. It's always very helpful. So until we talk to you again next week, this is Scott. And Richie. Saying have yourselves a good metal week. And remember. Focus on metal. Everything else is insignificant. Still here? It's over. Go home.